Let us pray. Silence in us now, O God, on this beautiful day, any voice but your own. And as we seek that word, we know that you seek us and claim us as your own. Help us to embrace and affirm that good news as we hear what you would say to us today, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Gospel lesson comes from the Gospel according to Mark, beginning at the 30th verse of the ninth chapter. Let us hear God's word. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, along with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Fred McFeely Rogers was an unlikely film star this summer. A deserving one to be sure, but unlikely nonetheless. Perhaps you saw the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It was a very moving experience for me to watch with equal parts nostalgia and wistfulness and hope. I was a Mr. Rogers viewer from early on, being six or seven when his national show premiered. My memory is that I watched many, many episodes after coming home from school in the afternoon. And that's nostalgia, but it's more than that. Fred Rogers was an only child, born to privilege. He was a music major. Now, parenthetically, the music, his and his musician colleagues, is a great hero of the show, I believe. He first worked in television in Pittsburgh and New York City. Then, in one of the greatest decisions the Presbyterian Church ever made, he was ordained as a Presbyterian minister in order to do the work to which he was so clearly and powerfully called. Though they were not close, each doing different things in their time there, Fred Rogers was actually a seminary classmate of my dad's who had a few memories of his encounters with Fred, which I think is kind of cool, is it not? (laughs) His show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, was an attempt to counter the children's programming of that era. Loud, physical, often demeaning. There was that cool jazz music, the very uncool zip-up sweater and blue keds the fish tank, 
the trolley, the neighborhood of make-believe with all those wonderful puppet characters. It was an unlikely low-tech hit, a combination of good child development theory and entertainment and cultural engagement and theology. Yes, 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 theology. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was obviously not a religious show in any sense of the word, nor should it have been. Yet my nostalgia is superseded by both wistfulness and hope. When I think about the theological implications of his work and his witness, how he lived out the story of his own calling, and how, most importantly, the enduring messages of Mr. Rogers reflect at very deep levels our core faith commitments, our beliefs, and our practices. Now, there are many points to be made here. They are all theological with ethical implications about how we view our lives and how we live our lives in the world. The first point is the most obvious one. It needs to be, however, affirmed. His audience, children. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a children's show broadcast at a children's hour. Though its messages were universal, his audience was children. He took them seriously, very seriously, and with integrity as children and as humans. He didn't pander or stoop to their level. He raised them up in order to meet them where they were. For Mr. Rogers, children should be seen and heard and valued as children. This morning in Mark's Gospel, Jesus continues to argue with his disciples about his impending death. And he catches them in a discussion about how they perceive their own greatness. He kind of flips that discussion. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. That debate is immediately shut down. And then something extraordinary happens. He takes a little child from the crowd, puts it in and amongst them, and taking it in his arms, he says to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Our call is to welcome the child, to welcome children, to take them seriously, to treat them respectfully, to offer them a place of prominence in our religious and political and cultural and economic universe that will be reflected in how we interact with our own children and grandchildren, or the young people in this place, or the children of the city and the world. There are personal moral implications to this, how we parent and grandparent, and there are broader ones as we consider things like education and hunger and poverty and gun violence and immigration, welcome the children. Jesus commanded it. Mr. Rogers showed us what it looks like. 
Mr. Rogers' audience was children, to be sure, yet in deeper ways he communicated a universal vision, a set of values and approaches broadcast in the medium of secular entertainment, but formed, I would argue, by his calling. His calling not only as a Presbyterian minister, but as a person of faith. There's beauty. He chose to sing, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Now, the movie used the word eccentric about him, and I think that's right. But sometimes I think that what came across as eccentricity and naivete was really wonder, awe and wonder at the beauty of things, people and nature, how things were made on his frequent field trips to factories, music. Now it could seem quaint and out of touch in a medium defined by cynicism, a world tainted by ugliness, but it was not quaint. It was not out of touch. It was a conscious stance formed, I would argue, by faith that sought to see the beauty in all of creation and express joy and awe. Life is a good and gracious gift, a gift to be cherished and celebrated. At the conclusion of every show, he sang, It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. He believed that. Our faith teaches that. Your life, his life, my life, the life of every child watching has intrinsic value and worth. Life is good. Name that and claim that as an affirmation of faith. And because of that affirmation, all have value and worth. He didn't use this language, but what he was affirming was that all children, all of us, are created in the image of God and therefore fearfully and wonderfully made. When he sang, it's you that I like and you're special, he meant that. He really did. And I often wonder how many children watching then or now, and how many adults eavesdropping, heard the affirmation that they were special only through their television set. But if nowhere else, they heard it from him. Life was good, and life could be hard. Mr. Rogers pulled no punches when talking about personal hardship like death and divorce and losing, and broader ones like racism and assassination. Bad things happened out there in the world, and bad things happened in here, in our own hearts and spirits. He did not pretend otherwise. And rather than suppressing our feelings, he honored them. Even the hard feelings like sadness and anger. Who was my neighbor? When Jesus was asked that question, he responded with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I believe it no accident that Fred Rogers lifted up and embraced the concept of neighborhood for his audience and for his generation. Whether it was the neighborhood in which his TV house was situated with a 
wide variety of neighbors and friends, or the neighborhood of make-believe that the trolley took us to with King Friday the 13th and Lady Elaine Fairchild and X the Owl and Lady Aberlin and all of them. This breadth of diversity was no PC crusade, but a true and honest effort to reflect, even within his own limitations, who we are and who we aspire to be. Now that broadens the understanding of neighborhood, not just to those who live near us and look like us and believe like us, but all of us. How extraordinary. Black policemen and little boys in wheelchairs and artists of color, all of us. Not the neighbor as same and familiar as we are conditioned, but the neighbor as diverse and unique, living in a neighborhood where we share so much and are enriched as we connect with the other. Beauty, goodness, worth, neighborliness. Now for Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, these were not faith commitments explicitly. The Bible says this, so I'll find a sneaky way to get this onto my show. Rather, these values infused and permeated who Fred Rogers was and what he believed, and therefore infused and permeated his work. Now there's more, of course. Conservative Times columnist David Brooks wrote that the power is in Fred Rogers' radical kindness. Kindness at a time when public kindness is scarce. That draws, Brooks says, on a long moral tradition that the last shall be first. Well, it is a long moral tradition, but again, it's no accident that those very words, the last shall be first, precede Jesus' words in this morning's gospel reading. I don't know if David Brooks knew that or not. The last shall be first. Welcome the children. Kindness. Loving kindness. The writer Kara Meredith summarized it this way. As a child who watched the show for years, I think about how he taught me to love others unconditionally. As a parent, I think about what it means to treat our children as the humans they truly are and to choose slowness for them. As a woman who is passionate about raising the voices of those who have been marginalized and oppressed, I think about how he broke through barriers when no one else on television was doing it. And as a Christian, Meredith says, I think about how every single episode centered on loving others and loving ourselves, that we are liked just as we are, that we are loved for who we've always been, and who we are becoming. Inevitably, as I spoke with you, who saw the movie or read piece after piece in print and online, three things came out. The first, you loved the movie, and at some point during it were moved to tears. I did, and I was. Two, we won't see another Mr. Rogers, and we won't. TV was different, there were only four channels, remember those days? 
The world was different. He was given a very unique set of gifts that he nurtured fully in his moment, so that's okay. And I hear that we need Mr. Rogers right now. Well, yes, perhaps. But what we need even more so is all of us claiming our gifts, embracing that vision and those values for our moment, welcoming the children, finding beauty, accepting ourselves and accepting others, loving unconditionally, celebrating a vision of neighborhood that is expansive and welcoming and diverse. But rather than me talking about it anymore, let's sing about it, that it may be so. If you need the words, they are printed in your bulletins. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Amen.